Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The home that you worked so hard to purchase or the business that you dreamed of owning deserved to shine. LDJ Cleaning Professionals specialize in commercial, residential, and disinfecting cleaning. We've served Aurora and the Quad Counties with over 20 years' experience in the professional cleaning industry. Whether you're looking for window cleaning, disinfecting, or general office cleaning, we offer it all and more. Hire a true professional and call us today at 630-291-5435 or visit our website at www.ldjcleaning.com. We help you protect your investment. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 7.14 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning, Aurora the second largest city's first daily news podcast. So we've got a great, awesome, wonderful episode for you guys today. Uh, we got a lot of great things coming on, or excuse me, coming up. So stay tuned for that, y'all. Uh, today is the 15th of February, 2021, the day after Valentine's Day. Hope that you guys all had a nice, lovely day with your boo thang and all that, you know. Hope that, you know, you know hope, hope the boos were taken care of. And all that stuff. Uh, I saw a lot of chocolate-covered strawberries and strawberry-flavored chocolates and all kinds of nice, beautiful things. So, shouts out, shouts out, shouts out to all the lovers. Word up. All right. Uh, Mayor, Ir excuse me, Mayor Richard Irvin has community conversations coming up. The first one, the first but not the last, a conversation with Black Trailblazers in Aurora is taking place this Thursday, the 18th at 6.30 p.m. Breaking the Code, a conversation with Ian Brock about minority youth and STEM. That's Friday, the 19th at 12 p.m. And then next week, Stony, The Road We Trod, a historical look at Aurora's first black residence. Thursday, February 25th at 6.30 p.m. Those will be live on the City of Aurora's page and uh, Facebook Live, excuse me, uh, Facebook Live slash City of Aurora, so on the City of Aurora's Facebook page. All right. Uh, the Regional Fire Museum downtown, 53 North Broadway, Broadway and New York Street, has buy one, get one free admission tickets going until June 1st of this year. Limit one per customer. Uh, the Aurora Regional Fire Museum is a great place. We had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Brian Failing. Uh, he's a real cool dude. Get to know uh, him and what the Aurora Regional Fire Museum does by visiting them or checking them out online. Virtual Rock and Rumble starts today at 10.30 a.m. Uh, this is a fun music and movement program for all ages brought to us by the Aurora Public Library. The next Rock and Rumble will be on uh, the 15th 
of March at 10.30 a.m. Registration is required for that. Shouts out. Basically, anytime you hear us talk about the Aurora region, or blah, blah, about the uh, library and their initiatives, you should always take part. If you're looking for fun, informative, and educational programming, the Aurora Public Library has it for you in spades. The League of Women Voters are hosting two candidate forums on Wednesday, the 24th of this month. The first will be the Aurora Alderman at Large Forum from 6 to 7 p.m., followed by Aurora Alderman Forums for Wards 4, 7, and 10. The forums will be on the League of Women Voters of the Aurora Area's Facebook page and posted on their website as well. Shout outs and good luck to all the candidates. Art and Market Aurora was a success on Saturday. Shouts out to everybody involved in that. Saw some good pictures, so check those out. We may be sharing some of those pics uh, the next couple of days. <clears throat> so the 18th of this month, which is coming up a couple days, uh, is the last day to request your mail-in ballot. February 22nd, early voting ends, and February 23rd is primary election day. And that's the last day to vote in person, by the way. Um, so on those days, uh, we have the township elections coming up. So get to know who these people are. We've interviewed some good characters from the township, uh, Aurora Township, and uh, you know get to know what township does. Get to know if you live in township. Familiarize yourself with all aspects of local government. If you're listening to this show, you are required to be knowledgeable about what's going on and who's going on and where it's going on and why it's going on. All right. So tomorrow at 7 p.m., Growing Your Business with LGBTQ Friendly Practices, part of the Fairness and Equality for a Better Aurora series. That's taking place at the Aurora Public Library, uh, live, excuse me, virtually on their Facebook and web, uh, Instagram, excuse me, uh, webpage. Uh, registration is required for that. And then Thursday, the 18th of March at 7 p.m. is Civic Education Township Government. Clearbrook is hosting their virtual friends wine and craft beer tasting from February 27th. Uh, excuse me, on February 27th from 6 to 7 p.m. Wine and beer packages will be offered from Church Street Brewing Company and the prestigious Martin Ray Vineyards and Winery. Uh, this will be a lot of fun for wine connoisseurs, and there's even going to be a silent auction. Clearbrook is a home and family for over 8,000 children and adults impacted by intellectual and developmental disabilities. Get to know more about this awesome organization by visiting their website at www.clearbrook.org. This event has been shared to our Facebook page and our Instagram. So shouts out to Clearbrook. All right, and that it. Uh, wait a minute. You know what? Actually, it's a brand new week. We're on a brand new mission. We hope that you're on a brand new mission as well. Shouts out to everybody, all of our fans, listeners, and subscribers, and everyone living in Kane County. Shouts out to Elgin. Shouts out to St. Charles. Shouts out to Batavia, Geneva, South Elgin, North Aurora, wherever you at. Shouts out. Have a blessed day. And that. That is the news. Good morning. All right. Um, we appreciate you taking some time to speak with us and come on to Good Morning Aurora. Uh, for our listeners and for our viewers, let us know who you are and where you're from. All right. So uh, my name is Franklin Rivera. 
Franklin D. Rivera, the second to be, <laughs> to be, to be full. And yes, I was. My father was named after F. D. Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt. D.R. Yeah, I'm originally from New York, so I was born in the Bronx, but I uh, have lived in Illinois since 2004, and in Oswego since 2013. Okay. All right. Uh, what part of New York? Bronx. The Bronx. Oh, excuse me. You just said that. Yeah, the Bronx. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, Bronx. What are the similarities, of any, from the Bronx experience to the Aurora Oswego experience? I can't really say because my mother got me a heck out of the Bronx right away. Okay, yeah. <laughs> to New Jersey, so I grew oh. up in I grew up in uh, Jersey, right outside of Philly. And are there any similarities? I, I think the one that sticks out the most is there's a distinct culture. There's a distinct culture. Um, if I think of Philadelphia and Aurora. Philly is, is not like a lot of other cities. You can go to Philadelphia, and I think maybe it's because we're the home of the founding fathers and things like that. Mm -hmm. You just get a great sense of history, a lot of unique things in Philly that you just don't find somewhere else, like Philly cheesesteaks. You know? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I've never eaten I've never eaten one at my local Naperville or nothing. I, I would like to go to Philly and actually have like a it. Right. There's a place Right in Montgomery, I gotta say, they probably are super close to a Philly cheesesteak. You know, Baba's. Gotta check out Baba's. Okay, all right. It's, it's wow. Good information. Yeah. Um, and they did not pay me to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, an East Coaster, mm -hmm. originally. Uh, to your point about the history and stuff like that, there's a lot of monuments I'd like to go see someday in our Philadelphia. Um, or Maryland, all those other places. Yeah. Do you ever go back to visit? Rarely. I mean, all my family moved to Florida. Okay. That's where I moved up here from, Florida. Right. right. Um, but no, I don't. But if I went back, I would probably say, you know, Betsy Ross's house where we made the, the flag. That's a great one. Right. Of course, the Liberty Bell. Yeah. The Bell, you know, it's cracked where they, uh, I guess that's where, where, where they made the Constitution. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some really, and they're all within a, uh, a, a one mile radius, maybe, of each other, and then the Franklin Mint, where they make all the money. So. The Franklin Mint. Yeah. Is that? It's where they print the money. Really? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we gotta put that on the list, y'all. We're gonna go check that out. Don't Google me. I'm pretty sure it's where they where they print the money. <laughs> I just know money's made there. <laughs> um, growing up, what impact did your mom have in your life? Oh my gosh. Big. I actually just spoke to her. Um, well, my family's from Jamaica, so Jamaica and Puerto Rico. And my mother was a, uh, a she raised me as a single mother for quite a while. Um, got married twice after my, my father. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was her, never forgot to be proud to be of Jamaican heritage. You know, I don't know if you think if you remember back to that show in Living Color. Yes, I right. remember that show. Yeah, so they had the guys on the plane, mm -hmm. and they flew the plane. They they served the drinks. Yep. Yeah, that that's that's true. J Jamaicans are, are hardworking. They'll do a lot of things, a lot of different things to make ends meet. So I think having that in me um, really instilled the entrepreneur spirit. And my mother's mother moved here when she was she was. Um, um, a teacher in Jamaica, which is high regarded, you know, um, and she moved here and had to bring over her kids one by one. And she had four or five kids, 
So my mother was the youngest and she was the last to come over. So her mother, when she came here, had to take a job as a maid. So go from being a teacher to being a maid. But she worked and eventually brought all the kids over one by one. My mother was the last one to come over. So she spent 16 years away from her mother. And I believe it was that, that work ethic, that desire to do what's best for your family was really instilled in me. What was the one by one part? Why was it one by one? That's all she could afford to bring over from Jamaica. So she had to bring one of the kids over one by one from Jamaica. Now, if you think about it, um, one was a, uh, a, a, a judge, became a judge in, in, in uh, New York. The other one's a successful um, OBGYN, went to Harvard. Another one is, and I'm so proud of her, she is one of the top marketers in the United States as a black woman. She was just on Diversity Magazine. Um, another one is a PhD in math. And my uncle uh, served in Vietnam and unfortunately died from Agent Orange when I was in my teens. So she brought all, all, all these kids from Jamaica and they all became Yale, Harvard, Johns Hopkins right. graduates and I went to West Point. So um, that's quite a, quite a feat. Um, that, is, that is quite a feat. I like how you bring up that, that uh, uh, showing the role in the differences of the society, right? Mm -hmm. So teachers looked upon, excuse me, looked, looked upon with high regard in Haiti, or Jamaica, excuse me, yeah. uh, coming to America, having to do what you have to do and be a maid and dealing with what is regarded as the opposite of the yep. scale. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely work ethic that will uh, make those dreams come true for yeah. people. Yeah. That's quite an achievement. Uh, West Point, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't like your fun college life. I mean, in retrospect, yeah, we did have some fun, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, you know, I became a, a, a cap or Omega and, you know, you know, had that brother, and we had the West Point Brotherhood, but um, the reason I went there was because um, it was a job when I would graduate. So I was actually accepted to uh, Cornell University mm -hmm. of Pennsylvania and Brown. I was going to go to Brown University on a uh, track scholarship. But when I looked at West Point, I was like, wait a minute, you know, I don't have to pay for college. I just five years of my life afterwards in the military. Um, I'm going to be guaranteed a job when I get out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to look great on my resume that I went to West Point. Right. My family's not going to have any debt. So when I weighed it, and I'm like, if I get hurt running track at Brown, I could lose a scholarship, that's it. Right. So I said, I'll go to West Point. I had no idea what it was about. I just knew it looked glamorous. And I had um, no idea what it was about. I knew it was military, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. Right. Matter of fact, the minute, uh, on the first day, they said to raise our hands, I literally looked and tried to run. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm signing my life away. And, and but I got to tell you, um, it was very rigorous. We had like 22 credit hours per semester. Wow. It was crazy. Military training, mandatory athletics. I ran track. I was a, a D1 athlete there. Ran a 400 meters. Um, it was intense. It was intense. But we have such a strong brotherhood and sisterhood that years from now, we are literally still in contact with each other. And it's as simple as, hey, you want to get a job here? Yeah, okay, I'll put in a recommendation. You get a call right away. Right. Um, 
It taught me a lot of discipline. It taught me that you can figure out a solution to anything. But also taught me the importance of caring for your people first before yourself, which I think is lacking in a lot of corporate America. We're gonna we're gonna circle back around to that. Okay. Um, so, what are in your opinion? What are three characteristics of leadership? Three characteristics: uh, putting your people ahead of yourself. All right, for the greater good. Mm -hmm. uh, humility. And I think inspiring. I think you have to be. Anybody can manage. Not everybody can lead. You know, man, can you manage these books for me? I can manage them. You know, can you manage these people? I can make sure they get in on time, they do with the work. But the thing is, and I'm sure you know this, if people are inspired, if they don't internalize the vision, if, they don't, if you don't have that power to impact them, they're going to leave and go somewhere else. I always right. told people, get paid for what you know, not for what you do. You know, and and... If a leader can inspire those people, guess what? They don't want to leave that leader because he's all he or she is always looking out for their best interest. And when one is inspired, mm -hmm. you don't have to micromanage them. No, you don't have to. No, they <laughs> got the script. We're reading from the same book. Yeah, the professionalism yep. that we expect and the kind of employees we want—that's what's being. Exactly. It's like gremlins, right? You just put a little water, and the next thing you know, just... <laughs> gremlins. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking up that movie. You ever seen that? I have. Okay, I about to say... I about to say yeah. Yeah. I got a 10-year-old. He wants to watch it five times, so... Yeah. Um, and what was your branch of service? So I was Army, Army. Cold Artillery. Got out as a captain right after the first Gulf War. Wow. Um, with your background, family story... Uh, the benefits that mom instilled in us. What was military life after academy? Mm -hmm. Okay, now. What was the Gulf War like? What was it like being out there? <clears throat> it was hard at first. It was hard. So I went into pharmaceuticals with the goal of becoming a doctor. I actually got accepted to Georgetown, but I turned it down. Because after I was in pharmaceuticals, a lot of doctors were like, you know, we got HMOs popping up, PPOs. I can't really practice medicine. And I did the math. My man's gonna take me a long time to build, pay back these medical, you know, school costs. Sure. And I was getting a healthy salary in pharmaceuticals, but <clears throat> it was it was hard because it was a different mindset. It was a different brotherhood than the military. How so? It's a lot more cutthroat. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Here we we always call it civilian life. Right. You know, it was, <clears throat> I found it to be lazy. I found it to be, you know, like I said, cutthroat. Um, and I had a hard time adapting because in, in one thing you learn in, in, in West Point, the military is you're given a task and they expect you to knock it out. They don't tell you how to do it. Right. You figure it out and you do it. In corporate America, that's how it was with me. So the manager, my district manager, one of the best guys I ever had managing me, would give me a task and I would knock it out in four days and everybody else was taking two weeks. So imagine what they're thinking, well, here's this show off. Right. Here's this, so. <clears throat> right, that's not ambition in corporate America. No. That's <laughs> brown nosing. It was brown, that's, oh, yeah, man. Right. right. And I remember going to my manager going, 
how come they never invite me to hang out with them? I was, I was bothered. I was in my 20s. And I'm like, they always hang out. I'm never invited. He said, Frank, Frank, come here. He said, I did a DISC evaluation, and you're a D. When I tell you to do something, I don't have to tell you how to do it, how long it should take. You do it. Right. I don't even have to praise you in public for doing it because you do it because it should be done. Others, they're like an IS or C or different. He said, you know what? <clears throat> I have to hold their hand. They have to know that it's worked before. Right. They have to be praised. And when we sit in the meeting and we ask about something and you've already done it, people are looking at, you know, what you said, show off. You're, right. He said, so it's not really you. And, and, and it bothered me. So what I started to do was to include my team when I was given certain tasks. And I would give them all the praise. Oh, this could have been done if it wasn't for so-and-so. Oh, you were, why don't you run the meeting instead of me? Right. And eventually they're like, oh, he's okay. He's okay. He doesn't want the recognition. So it was hard. It was hard. Um, but I think in, in retrospect, um, I think that's what corporate America really wants. I just don't know if they know how to identify it. Right? As a veteran, yeah, making that transition, some have made transitions from service to other avenues, not corporate America, maybe mm -hmm. uh, factory work, carpentry, some of the trades. In your opinion, what is it that's missed by veterans about service? What do they miss? Oh my gosh, like I've been saying is the uh, camaraderie. You always could depend on your men. I mean, I've got stories, you know, some not so great, of maybe people that have wronged me, and my men saying, sir, you're an officer, you don't want you to get in trouble? We'll take care of it. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Right. But it was listed taking care of something may be worse than yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, they always had my back. Right. Whether it was somebody was you know um, picking on a family member, you know, they were always there for you, you know. And in here it's like, and I still see this today. You know, I was laughing with my wife. I'm gonna um, probably shoot a video about it. But people ask me, oh, you know, like my Facebook page. I'm like, wait a minute. It's been five years, you haven't spoken to me, you haven't engaged with me, you haven't done nothing, and you're asking me to like your page? Right. In the military, it would have been, you know, oh yeah, you know, Frank's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, well, we gotta talk to him, you know? So when you ask, it's because they've earned it. They've right. earned it. It's, I think they missed that, I missed that. If I could have stayed in and retired, I would have. But after war, I was like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Explain this. So that's the personality profile. So people are D-I-S-C, I'm not sure each one, D is dominant. You know, uh, I forgot what I is, S is social, and C, I'm not, I think conscientious. So C means, usually people that are high C's, they're not risk takers. They're people that have to know a process has worked before. Mm -hmm. You have to prove it to them. D's are just do it. Right. You no, know, A personalities. Right. A plus. S, uh, I's like to be praised a lot for what they do. I need recognition. Right. A lot of those out there. S's want to make everybody happy. So those are the, maybe the yes people. And a lot of times you can be a combination more than one. I'm a DI. 
very little I, big D. Right. You don't have to praise me, but if you do, I appreciate it. Right. So, yes, yeah, a great. lot of corporate America uses uh, disk profile, and there's other ones that you can use to identify personality types and how to put people together. They can actually work together. Right. Yeah. Um, what does America mean to you? Sounds cliche, but land of opportunity. You know, um, I think anything is possible, especially nowadays. You know, when I grew up, you had to be a doctor, engineer, lawyer. You can be anything. Um, right. I mean, that's worldwide. I think it's a land of opportunity. Unfortunately, I think in the past year, a lot of things that have been lying, you know, fermenting have come mm -hmm. to the surface that have always been there. So it, it, it really makes me question a lot of people's uh, intentions. But then again, that's what makes America. Different opinions, different experiences, different, you know, views, you know. So I think it allows, America allows you to be yourself. Whether it's good or bad. Sure. You know, what's bad to one person might be good to somebody else. And so. we see that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we see that a lot. <laughs> um, we don't want to go, get, go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so. There's the rabbit hole, we'll go this way. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> um, when we talk as individuals, and we're going to get into uh, uh, the company okay. here momentarily, but I've, I've discovered that when I ask people that question, right, about what America means to them, I quit thinking that the opportunistic answer was cliche because perhaps it's the only answer, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah, you're Maybe. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Um, I've had the pleasure of traveling mm -hmm. before, and I thought Harvey, Illinois was poor, right? Been there. But there are some areas in this world that are in abject poverty. Oh, yeah. So... It's not cliche that America's land of opportunity. It's actually true in a lot of cases. You're um, right. You're right. Um, V2 M2 Group. What's that about? What, what, what's happening with that? What is that? Wow. Um, so, um, where do I start? I'll start with this. One of my favorite sayings. Um, you don't know that you can walk on water until you, can, until you get kicked out the boat. As a Navy guy, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Boy, I... Well, thanks for your service. Thanks, man. Thank you for yours. As well. You're welcome. Yeah. So, um, after a long stint in pharmaceuticals, over 22 years, I was downsized by corporate America. You know, one of my, my favorite hip-hop groups, uh, the Cunning Linguists, they're kind of underground. Mm -hmm. They have this saying that says, uh, corporate America calculates the, the cost of a tier. Yes. So, I was downsized. I was top-ranked in the nation in sales. I'm like, yeah, you're downsizing me? Um, at that point, um, I wanted to take my own, my own um, des put destiny in my own hands. And I said, I, I can't go back to work, you know, for somebody else. Because they can always let me go. I can be in my late 50s, and they're going to let me go for some reason. So um, I, I looked at everything I love to do, and I said, how do I take together all these skill sets? So I write music. I've had music on the radio, I've done professional photography, videography. I was a nerd way back when they started building websites in the 1990s. I, I root my phone, I, I, I hack it, I build computers, I um, love marketing, I did sales, I've been a leader. Um, I was around when MySpace was there, AOL, dial-up, I mean... Oh, oh boy. Yeah, I'm giving my age, right? <laughs> um, 
But I, I, so I said, okay, digital marketing. That's, that's perfect. Um, so what I did was um, I took everything I owned and put it into this company to try to live and uh, took a job as a financial advisor. So I got um, licensed. I was with Morgan Stanley. I uh, went to Prudential, uh, which those are commission-only jobs. Right. So I had to eat what I kill. Yes. Um, and behind the scenes, I was building up my marketing. I started networking. I started joining, on behalf of these other companies, I was going to net to, to chambers of commerce. Right. And I would look at this person and go, okay, they're a financial customer. This, this person could probably work for marketing. I started, and nobody knew it. Not even the chamber knew I was building this. Um, we were two weeks away from losing our home. Everything was packed up because I couldn't pay mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was hard. We didn't know where we were going to go. And the bank looked at him and said, we can work with you. <laughs> that was eight years ago. So I hung up my licenses in 2015 and kept my, uh, my, my marketing. But as you know, you have to differentiate yourself. A lot of people do social media. A lot of people do websites. So I said, what can I do different? Right. And that was taking my business knowledge. So I got my MBA a month after I was um, downsized. And I said, Talk I'm going to... Talk about winning. Talk <laughs> about winning. Yeah. What? <laughs> yep. When life gives you lemons, yes, boy. Right. <laughs> lemonade, yep. And I right. love lemonade. Um, but yeah, so I said, I'm going to take my knowledge of business and I'm going to tie that into marketing, and I'm going to bring a whole new approach. And in 2011, when I first started speaking, I spoke to Sakamoto's Japanese Sushi and Restaurant in Oswego. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting down with him. I'm like, okay, tell me about your, your, your business. How much do you get from your liquor? Can you expand your space? What does your menu look like? He's looking at me like, I just want to get known on social media. I was like, no, we need to know where to grow your revenue. Right. Right. And we grew it 300% in three months by doing, uh, by boosting his takeout orders in winter. And then it hit that I'm onto something here. But most people laughed at me because that was unheard of doing it like that back then. What year are we talking? This was 2011-2012. Okay. The other thing unheard of was being a generalist. People said you need to find a niche. Matter of fact, Bob told me that a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Find a niche. I was like, no, my niche is my approach. And people said, that's not a niche. And I would tell them, it is now. Right. And my niche was tying business and business revenue results to digital marketing. And everybody in my company had to know how to do everything. And that else was laughed at. You need a specialist. You need an SEO, a social media specialist. I'm like, no. Corporate America is siloed. And we need to be synergistic. Like the military. Exactly, like the military. And that was laughed at. No, you gotta, you got to be an expert in one area. 2015, a study came out that proved my point. The digital agencies could not find qualified people because they only knew how to do one thing. Right. So I was already ahead of my time. Um, and it grew. And in one year, in 2018, I think, well, I actually went from just me being a solopreneur to a, a team of 16 people with, with the company. And then we started to pick up clients uh, worldwide. So Spain, UK, <clears throat> Germany, we worked with hip hop artists, 
politicians, one that's um, Judd is running against. <laughs> Actually, that was my first po uh, political uh, um, client. Right. You know, I don't want to go into that anymore. Um, uh, medical practices, law practices, software developers, I mean, you name it. We could work with everybody because our approach allowed us to be very bespoke, very customized. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 been good. It's a grind. It's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's mine. That's right. And uh, like another, I always reference hip hop. Another hip hop artist says, um, "Why live in complacency when you can leave a legacy?" I never forgot that. Who was that? A guy named. I, I love hip-hop. I love hip-hop, too. It's yeah. underground hip-hop. Gosh, I gotta look up his name. I gotta look it up. We'll I'll let you know. Okay. Atmosphere? <laughs> He's in that same group as Atmosphere. Okay. Oh, so All right. we know some. You know oh, some yeah, yeah. Oh, we here? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't meet too many people that know that. You know, it's, it's all mainstream. That's good music. Atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and plus, I, I do recall that, uh, I remember this thing, there used to be this thing called CDs. Remember those? Oh CDs, God. man. And uh, yes. to your point about dial-up, I mean, how many computers did we wreck with LimeWire? Make you a little mixtape, mix CD? <laughs> <laughs> well, our people don't remember that. They don't, man. They don't. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so what's the future look like for V2, M2 Group? What's going on this year and what, what do we got coming up? Yeah, so... Um, you know, we, we, we're passionate about small businesses. Okay. Uh, I never want to, never forget where you came from. You know, never forget that first deal that you got. No matter whether it was $500 a month, you know. I never want to grow too big. You know, we have a revenue goal. Um, I want to be a world leader in, in digital marketing. Um, but to do that, you need to change your business. In 2020, showed us that a lot of the small businesses could not sustain our model. Um, either it was a, a, um, a mental block. Some small businesses want to stay small, and which is fine. Some are great at what they do, but they're not great at business. So a lot of bad decisions are made, and <clears throat> marketing would be the first to go, especially in 2020. So we've, we've changed our, our, our focus to only work within a certain enterprise level. Okay. Uh, businesses now um, and we are um, we're looking now to bring on full-time people so before everybody in my company was project-based and I did that on purpose it was my natural weeding out process so if you didn't do well with a client you lost that money right uh, rather than sitting back going ah, I'm gonna get a check every two weeks I can put it off no, that's not the case. You need to deliver or you right. lose that money. Uh, we're now looking into moving into bringing on like five uh, salaried employees um, to kind of build my vision and I'm going to be stepping back to be more of the visionary, um, the face of the company, less involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Um, so at the end of the day, by the time I retire, we, gotta, we have a, a goal of 50 million. Okay. You know, you got you to set your goals high because even if you miss them, you're still hitting high. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine who is in law enforcement asked me, he said, who's your wish list of people? Mm -hmm. And I threw out some names and he said, uh, you even reached out? I said, well, I, I, I reached out, 
I sent my emails to, you know, to uh, the staff member of whoever. They haven't got back, but either they'll get back to me or they'll see. Yeah, they're, they're exactly right. Eventually, you know. Yeah, so they can afford you then. Right. <laughs> all to the good. They can, they can ignore that. They can ignore that. I love it. Love it. Um, What's war like? You're probably gonna, you're probably gonna, I don't know if you're gonna laugh at this or be surprised. It's eye-opening, it's peaceful, yet it's hectic. Peaceful is, you know, I'm, I, I make no qualms, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and, um, excuse me, I have to say that was the time I was the closest to God because I didn't have all of this. I was in a desert. There were no lights, there was no, radios, you know, restaurants. There's nothing to do at times. So what do you do? Right. You know? Um, you don't have these distractions. But by the same token, you start to appreciate life. I mean, when you gotta dig a hole to use the restroom, you know, when you have to take a, a shower and the water is ice cold. Right. And then you step out and you got sand all over your feet. Right. You know, you start to really appreciate a lot of the little things in life that people, I mean, think about it, when it rains, people run to get inside. When it rained on us, we had to sleep in the wet clothes, hope they dry. You know, and, and you're like, you know what, this actually is not that bad. It's, it's not. It's not. You know, so you just learn to appreciate so much of the little things in life. Um, and, but then again, you're, you're a machine. You know, and, and you, I mean, you're in the Navy, you train over and over and over. So when that time comes, it's like you're going to your regular nine to five job. Right. It was the same thing. It wasn't like, uh, you know, you just did it. You right. clicked and you did it. You weren't thinking about, you know, am I going to get killed? Am I going to make it back? You know, you just did a job. Right. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it having been in war. Now, not as bad as, you know, maybe Vietnam and some of those other, because we've advanced quite a bit, but it's still war. Yeah, the time period from Vietnam and the Gulf War was a big change technologically right. and everything. Yes, yes. Um, so I did appreciate it. I, a lot of good came out of it. Um, what was your experience like as an African-American? in Excuse the me. military. Was it all roses joining? No and, way. And uh, being part of an organization <laughs> like West Point? No, no. You guys no. in the barracks singing Kumbaya every night? I wish. <laughs> you know, it's funny because me and some of my, my West Point classmates were talking about everything that's happened in the nation. We were sharing notes and I said, you know, when I first went into my, my, um, my unit as a brand new West Point black second lieutenant, they transferred me. And it's because I was given the, the, the duty of being a fire direction officer. So I would do all the calculations on what's called a battery computer system, and then my guy would manually check it for rounds going down range for firing artillery. In their eyes, it was much like how the NFL used to think of black quarterbacks, not capable. Right. You know, so I'm in there and they're like, ugh, that's the only position we have. I was in there for probably two days, not even a chance to prove myself. And, you know, we're going to transfer you, we're going to attach you to a cavalry unit. Like, as a fire support officer. And because no black had ever been a fire direction officer before. 
Um, I blew it out the park so much that the the, the colonel in the in the cavalry unit didn't want me to come back. And yeah, I fought. I didn't want to come back. Um, and they made me they made me a fire direction officer when I did come back. And my unit was the first to perform an exercise for the Soviet Congress. They came from the Soviet Union, USSR, to watch our military exercises, and my battery was chosen under my leadership. Pause, okay. So it was not what I expected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, got, it got really bad to the point. I even had other West Pointers that I went to school with that were in my unit. One was a brother. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in his early 30s. And I had another guy. And I don't think a lot of them liked the fact that I was black, I was a West Point grad, I was on equal par with them. And it got to the point where even like, you know, I don't know if you know S1, S2, you know, like the uh, security officer, operations officer, there would be meetings and they would give me the wrong time in the meeting and I wouldn't show up. And they would then tell my commander, who happened to be Hispanic, uh, Lieutenant Rivera didn't show up. Right. You know, and I'm like, I was never told. Right. You know? They told me 1600. This was it, at 12. Exactly. Like was, yeah. And it really, I'm like, I thought we were all green here. And and he, I, he picked up on it. He started making, there's, there's, something's wrong here. And he let them have it. He put them in their place because, you know, he's a captain, they were lieutenants. And um, things got better. Um, I remember my captain, and so in the Gulf War, I made the captain's list. And my commander, who is now when you say cap when you say made the captain's list for those who don't know, this means that you are now you can be a captain. You're going from rank yes, to uh, yes. ascension in rank. Okay. Yes. So it's based on your performance and reviews. And my captain at the time was, you know, a, a white guy. Uh -huh. I never forgot this. All these years later. He came up to me and said, The captain's list came out. I don't know how this is possible, but you're first on the list. I never forget I don't know how this is possible. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to say that? You know? So I was very disappointed that there still was a, a level of, I think, racism and, mm -hmm. in the military. You know, I don't know how it is nowadays. I'm sure there's still some underlying. But I was just disappointed. But regardless, my men loved me. I, I dug foxholes with them, which was like a no-no for an officer. Right. You know, I... I would do everything that was in their best interest. And that's what meant the most to me, that my men loved me and that I was doing the right thing. Yeah, as an enlisted guy, it's, uh, it's just drilled in your head. You know, the, the, the officer class mm -hmm. has nothing to do with us. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I can, I can tell, I'm surprised. I can tell you that uh, there is a wall of separation. Wow. Uh, that is consistently drilled within the enlisted class. This is from a Navy guy that, um, you know, the officers will not extend us any courtesy, which is why when officers do things like that, like dig foxholes with their men or for us on a ship when the captain, you know, the captain's coming, we're all, you know, in the early days, before I made petty officer, thank God, you know, you're painting everything that moves. Yeah. When the captain is coming down the P-way, it's all, you know, attention on deck. Mm -hmm. And wherever you're at, no matter how far he is and we are, snap to attention. Uh, and, you know, you can tell certain, you can tell what's inhumans, right? Yes. Certain yes. people 
shout out to Commander Parriot on my ship. Certain people can see that, you know, 14 young brothers doing their work. Gentlemen, get. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I love it, man. I, that's what I appreciate. I appreciate that. That's what's the. Yeah. Yep. I, I remember that. digging a foxhole. We were in a training, a National Training Center in California Desert. And I remember digging the foxhole mm. and my commander walking over with his command, you know, Lieutenant Gert. You shouldn't be doing that. You don't do that, you know? So I was like, yes, sir. And they walked away and I jumped right back in. My right. man saw that. And it got to the point where I'd be walking and people wouldn't salute me because I was so dirty, they couldn't see the bars. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm like, hey, it's all. And they right. were, I was shocked that a lot of enlisted were shocked that I was that dirty, you know? But it, it pays off. And, and I think, you know, transcending to corporate America, that's the type of leaders you need, you know? So let's follow up where we, uh, where we took our first flag in the conversation. So okay. um, what's... We, we talked about corporate America and some of the things that are wrong with it. Okay. With yeah. the beast, the, 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 beast. The, <laughs> the culture, if you will, of corporate America. Mm -hmm. If you had a magic wand and you could fix it, what would, what would corporate America, what should corporate America look like? First thing that comes to mind is uh, I think corporate America needs to know how to properly identify leaders. Just because somebody is a great salesperson doesn't mean they now should become the, the district manager. Or a sales director. Sales yeah. director. Right. No, no. Great leaders are great because they, they know, they have the right people in the right positions and they give them enough autonomy and respect to use their intellect to carry that job out. Right. And if it's not, the leader doesn't admonish them. The leader provides constructive criticism and works with them to get them to that point. Managers will go, you're gonna make me look bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my job, so I'm gonna write you up so I can have a paper trail to make sure that I don't get blamed. You know, corporate America I don't care if it's corporate America or small business or the, you know, the pastry shop across the street. You need to understand what's going to drive your business. And it's the leader. You know, not the person who makes the best pastries. Not the person who's great at sales. Not the person that turns all their reports in on time. That has nothing to do with it. Right. That's what I would do. And I don't know if it's ever going to get fixed because a lot don't see that there's a problem. Right. And a lot don't want to even bring in an outside consultant to help identify the problem. My first job out the military was Edward Hospital. Okay. Then I went into, uh, I, I did the, I worked at the help desk of an IT company, and that was cool. I excelled because my peers, a lot of them, this was my, that was my first office job I ever had in my life. I never had a job where they ordering Lou Malnati's and William Hicks. I got YouTube streaming and I'm, I never had leather chairs you can lean back in. My other friends though, um, you know, they're, uh, I had, my son was just born at this time. My other friends though, you know, their dad was paying the rent for their apartment mm -hmm. downtown. 
He just wanted him to have a job. Other friends, you know, mom told them to get a job. So they just, you know, right? So they're not, you know, they're not tripping on it. They're coming in late. They're leaving a little bit early. I stuck just with the parameters and just dug in, right? Because I was thankful mm. to have people who wouldn't micromanage me, right? They were happy they didn't have somebody to micromanage. Yeah. So to your point, man, and you're so right when you say that, like, it's an internal thing. If you can display and become that leader, right? When leaders identify themselves, that's the key. It's not who's making the sale. I was terrible at sales. I can't sell anything. But what I can do is identify who is a good sale. Mm -hmm. You know, Curtis, what do you want? Well, I wouldn't buy that. But, you know, I'm going to talk to Ronnie. Because, you know, Ronnie last month showed customers the correct way to buy yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And that's that's part of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, you're a gamer. Yeah. All right. Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's your games? What do you... Uh, what do you play? What do you? So I I love games. That there, there has to be a lot of cooperation. Okay. So I play Apex Legends a lot. Okay. Um, I play uh, Call of Duty, mostly oh, yeah. multiplayer. Got to. Got I to. play Black Ops Cold War. Just started that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been gaming since man Pong was out. You Pong know Pong, yeah. And um, I gotta tell you, the gaming community, they're close. Yes very close they think it's most of them don't even know my age and when i'm in there and they're like wait a minute you, you're 56 years old they're like that is i wish my dad was like that yeah i wish my dad was a school yeah. you know but you know I, i'm trying to get it out one reason i'm doing it is for a couple reasons i have to get this in there um when i started playing online like apex and things like that there are a lot of mean people mm -hmm. A lot of mean people. And I see people, oh, if you're not this rank, I don't want to play with you. Or if you messed up, you know, they're, they're cussing. And I was like, what about these young ones that are just jumping in? They don't know the game too well. They're being yelled at, cussed at. Nobody wants to play with them. I was like, it shouldn't be like that. Right. You can take a ragtag team, but if they work together as a team all the time, mm -hmm. they're going to kick everybody's butt. Right. You know? So that was one reason I got into it, to promote a positive atmosphere. The second was... I want my peers to know everything that I've learned from gaming. I learned communication, utilization of resources, sharing of resources, uh, strategy, patience, and all of those things when I'm gaming every night, well, now I cut it back three, three four nights a week. You know, I carry that over into my business because it, it keeps my mind sharp. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my peers, they look at gaming as, oh, that's a waste of time. I'm like, no, actually it's not. You know, my 10-year-old now is editing videos, um, communicating, set up a Google Classroom to teach his peers how to become a YouTuber at 10. Right. What does that say? That says leadership. That says, you know, planning, you know, mm -hmm. dedication. So I love it. Uh, and, and, and it's a great stress reliever, especially when I'm winning. Right. <laughs> right. Yo, Frank, the kill count is crazy, bud. You got the swarm coming in right now. Yo, watch out. Um, yeah, yeah. The show ends on a positive note. What is your message to uh, the people of Aurora today? It's kind of general, you know. Do what you love. Do 
what you're good at and don't listen to the naysayers. You know, there's always going to be people that don't understand your vision, don't understand your thought process, but that's okay. That just means you're one step ahead of them, and one day they will. Right. You, you just you can't live your life, you can't live somebody else's life. You got to do what you love. This is America. You know? Right. <laughs> Anything's possible. Take it from me. I never started a business. I don't even know how to run a business. You know, I almost lost my home, but here I am eight years later with, you know, still moving strong. Now I got, you know, multi-billion dollar and multi-million dollar companies reaching out to me going, you know what, you're exactly what we need. Who would have thought this, <laughs> this guy that went through all that stuff, grew up with a single mother, you know, who hid our poverty from me, same clothes worn to school. But she's, I became a master of switching my top and my pants. I made six outfits out of, you know. Right. Who would have thought that I'd be at this point where now I have international companies reaching out to me, you know, and because I believed in it, you know. So that's my positive, let's just go for it. I got three pairs of pants that with my brother I share. So they're in school, see I made a fool. With one and a half pair of pants, you ain't cool. <laughs> Shout out to KRS-One. Yes, <laughs> KRS, man. Um, down. And uh, with it being Black History Month, we really appreciate you coming on to the show and telling your story to us. Well, thanks it for is, having me. It is greatly appreciated. It's, it's appreciated uh, from the perspective of African-American history. It's appreciated uh, from your story as a veteran as well. And it's also appreciated with the um, VidIQ and the information that I've gotten from this conversation today. I really do appreciate yeah, it. You're welcome. Uh, on behalf of our listeners and our fans, our subscribers, we appreciate you guys checking this episode out. Have a blessed, safe, wonderful weekend, and we will see you back here Monday. Peace. Peace.